Hello and welcome on in to our week five review, episode number three of the PHFL NFL podcast. Joined this week again by Kai and Mikey. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. Another exciting week of NFL action to go over. Uh, I think. Yeah, some major talking points. And we'll uh, we'll get to them, I'm sure. Um, but let's get on with it. Let's try and make it even shorter than last week. We'll get there eventually. It was still nearly two hours last week. But uh, game number one was a Thursday night football matchup. Tampa Bay travelling to Chicago. A game that Mikey said on his American road trip he had planned for this year he might have been going to. But uh, Chicago ended up winning 20 points to 19. And my major talking point from that game was that Brady messes up on fourth down. Forgetting. That's shown there, isn't it? <laughs> I've got that down. Is he going senile? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. It's finally, after so many years. Um, yeah. I've just got down that it was a very, very narrow win for the Bears. Um, obviously bouncing back from last week's loss. Um, a bit more of an exciting Thursday night football game. Um, but despite Brady potentially going senile, um, I think there was a, it was another example of him and uh, Mike Evans looking very, very dangerous. Um, so I think Mike Evans is on six touchdowns now through five weeks. Um, and it appears that he's... Within 10 yards, that's his target. He doesn't really like... Unless he's obviously dumping the ball off to a running back or whatever. He, he seems to want to target um, Mike Evans in the red zone, which is obviously a good thing for the Bucks to have, but nobody seems to be able to defend him. Yeah, the Bucks. Um, I must say, even with all their offensive weapons not being there, I still feel as if they're doing not bad on offence, but... Uh, I'll be honest, I, I thought the Bucks were going to win that game. We'll come to that later on. But um, I wasn't hugely impressed with Chicago, even though they won it. Their rushing game, there wasn't really anything in it. And yeah. I think really it was there Tampa Bay's was, There wasn't much of a rushing game at all um, on either side. Ronald Jones was the only one to rush for any sort of gain for the Bucks, And then obviously on the Bears' side of the ball, um, David Montgomery was only, what, 30, 30 yards, I think. Um, it was only 35 Total rushing yards for them, for the Bears. So, aye, pretty pass heavy game, but Bears get it done. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. The biggest talking point for this game seemed to be after the game in the media in Tampa Bay that oh, Tom Brady shouted at one of his offensive linemen. Oh no, why did he do that? And how well, dare he? Exactly. Like, of course he is. If he's not happy with them, that's the way he's going to have to deal with. It. I think he might be struggling yeah. to the the easy lifestyle of Tampa. Uh, He's yeah. taking a leaf out of uh, Aaron Rodgers' book from last season, shouting at his O-line pretty much all the time. Um, but as you both said, um, without a lot of their weapons on offense, I thought they, they did very well, especially away from home. But Tampa Bay's D really, really struggled in this game. I, I don't know what the reason for it was, because they've been pretty good as late. Um, but they had 11 penalties for over 109 total yards, which I just think totally threw the game away for them. There were some key moments in the game where they were giving away a lot of almost silly penalties um, and during important plays. So I think that helped Chicago get up the field um, third and fourth quarter. And Alan Robinson, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up leading the league in receptions this year, maybe alongside Devontae Adams or something like that, because as long as Nick Foles is under centre in Chicago, he's going to be throwing the ball to Alan Robinson a lot. Yeah, he quite likes throwing the ball to him, doesn't he? Uh, seems to be <laughs> at least like 50% of the targets. I just, he just looks at him straight away. I'm going to throw it to you. 
even if there's I'm someone there with you, I'm going to throw at you and you're going to catch it. Um, everyone else is just a decoy, what, I think. One player as well that, not in terms of fantasy, just has been very, very good for the Bears is Jimmy Graham, as much as it pains me to say it, because he flashed some um, brilliance at Green Bay, but never really lived up to his standards. But he's doing very, very well this season. I know he only had three catches uh, for 33 yards, but he's scoring a lot of touchdowns. Again, probably one of the biggest end zone targets for the for the Bears, just like Mike Evans is for the Bucks. So it should be interesting to see how he gets on for the rest of the season as well. Yep. Uh, I don't really have much else to add for that game. Uh... What we really add is, is how competitive that division is that the Bucks are in. Um, there's three teams all on three on two, just three and two just now. Obviously, the Falcons are back at 0 and five, but um, it could could be interesting over the next few weeks to see if anyone pulls away or whether it stays quite tight. Um, we obviously got the the Panthers going pretty well and the Saints with Michael Thomas to come back provided. Um, I thought you were going yeah, to say that North was uh, was too competitive. I was about to laugh you off the podcast. Aye, really, <laughs> really competitive division. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't really have much else to add to that. I don't even it wasn't one that I watched until after the Sunday games actually. I, when I saw the score of it, I was like, Well, there doesn't seem to be much to talk about there. But I'm happy to move on to our first Sunday game, which was the LA Rams going to the Washington football team. I'll again try not to slip up like I'm sure I have the past two weeks by calling that team the wrong name again. Uh and my, right to start. Yeah, my major talking point is the return to a football field of Alex Smith. The two of you got very excited in our group chat uh, when that happened, so I'm going to open the floor up to the two of you and you can talk about your Alex Smith fanboying for as long as you want. Yeah, I, I said a few weeks ago to, to Kai... <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I said a few weeks ago to Kai about um, Project 11, which is on ESPN. Um, if you download that, you can create an account for a seven-day free trial and watch the documentary about Alex Smith. Um, it was during lockdown I heard a, an ESPN podcast about Alex Smith with Stefan, uh, Stefania Bell and it, just the whole situation is, is just crazy how that he went from breaking his leg to potentially dying genuinely I think he went into septic shock and then had 19 overall surgeries on his leg they said that he would never walk again that he would never play football again and then he was training again which everyone thought was amazing on its own and now he's coming in and taking snaps against Aaron Donald of all people, it was just amazing to see. In a, in a really twisted way to say this, it was amazing to see him get hit because I think that's what he wanted more than anything yeah, else, so that he could show that he could still hang about um, with these big defensive beasts uh, like Aaron Donald. But yeah, I was chuffed to see him uh, play, and I know Kai was as well. He didn't. He didn't just get hit either. I think it was a four-man pile-up on top of him on the first snap. Um, <laughs> Which was maybe the best way for him to come back. It was just straight in at the deep end. Um, but yeah, just to kind of echo what Mikey said, I think it's mad how someone can go from such a, a what's the word, such a um, dangerous place in terms of literally fighting for his life at one point um, to stepping back onto a football field, um, which is probably scary enough at the best of times, never mind when you have half a leg, essentially. Um, but I think I, I think we've obviously mentioned it in the past couple of weeks and I think Mikey had said if he played any snap that he would automatically be his comeback player of the year and I think I would I think it's hard to disagree with that statement I don't think anyone would really make much of a claim to be to be any better than him but um, like I said just before Mikey started talking I think uh, 
I've never seen someone look so nervous or anxious at the side <laughs> of a, a football pitch than his wife, who honestly looked as if she was about to burst into tears of yep. probably kids joy. The kids well. are jumping about. Like, oh, Dad, yeah. <laughs> his wife's like, oh, my God, this could actually end this guy's career here. Or her life, um, probably. Or her life, at the end of it, yeah. She was panicking um, a lot. But the the thing is, as well, it was it was quite eerily similar conditions to when he actually broke his leg. It was at FedEx Field. It was raining. I mean, it, it just... I feel like all the stars aligned for him to come back to this game and for him to prove that he was still... I mean, he didn't play bad, didn't play good either, but uh, who knows what's going to happen. Like, yeah, they didn't good, need to do anything. quarterbacks in there with um, Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen. So I don't know what the situation is moving forward, but just so happy to see him come back. It was amazing. Talking about that... that that's, sorry, on you go. Yeah, talk, talking about that... Uh, quarterback position that's another bit to talk about here because they've announced that Allen will be the starter again and Smith will be the backup yeah. and there's also the talks that they're trying to trade Haskins away before the deadline I wouldn't be surprised if you see Haskins go um, I think for him as well I think to sit it, it does his career no good whatsoever to sit in as a third choice quarterback behind um, Kyle Allen and Alex Smith because obviously the exception to this rule is the Broncos this year but very very rare that you would end up with two of your quarterbacks with a long term injury or a, an injury that would keep them out for a number of weeks where he would he would step in um, so I think if he has anything about him he would probably get involved with the trade talks and obviously try and get on board with anything but we'll just need to wait and see I don't know who would pick him up though I don't know if anyone would I, I, jump I to take him uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with what Kai's saying, but I just feel this is... I don't know if we've spoken about this on the podcast or in, in person before, but this just seems like it's going down the same career trajectory as uh, Josh Rosen. I was about to say and that, Josh Mikey. Rosen, top 10, he was a 10th round pick in the first round. 10th uh, pick in the first round, sorry. Uh, Haskins was a, a 15th pick. Started okay. You looked to maybe coming into a second-year system and start to perform, but it's just not happening for him. And... I think Josh Rosen is what third string at Tampa Bay just now or something like that, maybe or who knows. But he's been kind of passed around with trades. I'm worried that the same thing happens to Haskins as well. Yeah, I have a I have a feeling his career trajectory might be going down the same path as Rosen. Um, don't get me wrong. I think he's if coached in the right way. I think he's got the chance of being a solid uh, QB, but he's certainly not going to be an elite quarterback. That I think. Um, Washington were hoping they were drafting with a, a first round pick yeah anything else to add in this game I mean obviously the, the, the Rams beat Washington 30 points to 10 you know it was yeah, fair probably mentioned that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I kind of missed out that in this game as well <laughs> um, um, it never really seemed in doubt to be honest for the Rams first quarter scare um, made it look a bit difficult but I think after that it was pretty pretty plain sailing to be honest um, they didn't look as if they were struggling yeah, I think I think the Rams look legit again this season. They kind of look like the the Super Bowl um, Rams that they played in against the Patriots. Um, I just think Sean McVay is getting the best out of Jared Goff. I think if Jared Goff was in any other system, he would probably struggle. I don't think he's an elite quarterback, but I just think that Sean McVay is that good of a coach that that he's bringing out the best in Jared Goff. But he probably needs to teach him how to spike a football when he scores a touchdown because that was a bit embarrassing for him. He just a bit threw it into the stand. <laughs> Yep, um, so I think we've covered the main talking points from that game Not so much on the actual game itself, but uh, more for personnel um, yep. The next, next game, 
is the Philadelphia Eagles travelling to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers won thir- 38 points to 29. We will talk about the Eagles in a bit, but I'm first going to talk <laughs> about the Steelers. And I just have the Steelers. Chase Claypool time. Three receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Kind of, uh, he took over that game. Just a bit. Yeah. Aye. Four, four touchdowns for anyone is impressive enough in one game. Um, for a rookie to do it is uh, pretty pretty insane. Because I don't know there was a rushing touchdown as well. Probably got bored of catching the ball. <laughs> I stuff this, I'm going to do something a bit different now. I will, I will preface Probably it with, with the fact his legs, but... that Deontay Johnson obviously went out very early <laughs> with a back injury. Um, yeah. So that target was away, but this was actually Claypool's first game that he was named one of the starters as the receiver. He was one of the first three on the team sheet, so to be honest, the Steelers are really good at identifying wide receivers in the draft. They seem to do it every single year, and I think this is another one that will break out very soon, especially with the possibility that they're not going to take up Juju again when his contract runs out. I've heard those rumours. Yeah, heard about that, but I mean, the Juju was what second or third round pick maybe AB was a fifth round pick they've had some very very good receivers over the years and Claypool was second round pick Claypool was the one that on his first NFL catch was that toe drag is that right yeah yeah his yeah. first catch so, and he, it was wait, like an elite receiver catch yeah we should have known from that just that one catch his first NFL catch that yeah the uh, sky's the limit for Claypool um but yeah even Deontay Johnson I think with big, as long as Big Ben's there, they're going to be passing the ball a lot. Um, and if they've got three receivers like that, then yeah, who knows what's going to happen with the Steelers team? They look legit for sure. I agree. I think the Steelers are good. Uh, we can move on to the Eagles, and I have a new sound drop for Kai's uh, Eagles discussion. Okay, I'm, I'll need to maybe have some words for it, but here is our sound drop for you, Kai. Okay. Need to make up some words for it. I was thinking, you know, it might be something like Kai's Eagles shouts or something like that, but we'll come up with words for it. Can I just point out that's the first time I've heard that? <laughs> it's actually a kazoo marching um, band, and I quite like it. I'll, I'll not talk quite as long uh, about the Eagles this week. They didn't just win, so it's, this week, eh? it's, it's harder to talk. Put, put 15 minutes on the clock. Uh, you've got um, 15 seconds. <laughs> cool. Um, I, I actually thought the Eagles played better this week and losing against the Steelers than they did last week in beating the 49ers. Um, I think they looked a lot, like they kind of increased the tempo quite a bit. They put the Steelers D under quite a bit of pressure at times, and the Steelers D cracked. Um, I think the scoreline looks wider than what I I think it was, what, a touchdown? Just nine points in it. Um, So, touchdown, two-point conversion, or a field goal or something. Um, I think the main the main two plays of the game that killed the Eagles were the field goal for the Steelers just before half time, and then um, the Steelers came out and got a touchdown just after the half. So I think the Eagles struggled to kind of pull it back from there, but um, seemed to be growing in confidence. Carson Wentz is kind of he's not quite good, Carson Wentz again, um, but he's keeping his numbers even for every touchdown he's thrown. He seems to be throwing an interception as well. Um, Obviously, still no, still not the full uh, roster, still not the full wide receiver core. Um, with Deshaun Jackson still obviously to come back 
Uh, Miles Sanders looked a lot better this week um, with the one significant play being running past almost every Steelers defensive lineman and uh, going in for a touchdown. And um, Travis Fulgham and Ward uh, kind of taking up Deshaun Jackson's role uh, at, at the receiving core. So yeah, I, th- I think there's def- definitely positives to take from the game. Much better performance um, all round. Uh, obviously still a lot to do and disappointing not to win, but still top of the division with a poor record. I think, um, I, think I could be top of that division just playing by myself. The, the three of us could probably uh, put one of us under centre, one of us at running back and one of us at wide receiver and then just go for it. I think we would probably end up um, playing as well. But yeah, the Cowboys take. are top of the division. No, they're not. They lost the other night. No? Cowboys? What game are you watching? Oh, no, they did. They won. They <laughs> the field goal. Oh, Maybe they yeah, should have lost, but they won. Damn it. Well, that's, that's <laughs> Kai's, Kai's lost. He's, he's deflated ah, now. Right, th- thanks for having me, boys, aren't we? <laughs> it's all right. I let Kai's uh, Eagles talk go on a wee bit longer because there's, a, there's no Packers talk this week because there was no Packers Exactly. Game, so. But, I've got uh, to get my bit in. You can talk about the Packers when the Eagles are on a buy. But, uh, but that's you. That's all you're getting. Uh, we're moving Thank on. Thank you. Thank you for your uh, Eagles chat of the week. <laughs> the next game um, was Arizona uh, away to the Jets. Arizona won 30 points to 10. I don't have anything to talk about in the actual game itself. I think the major talking point is that the Jets have now released Levy and Bell. And um, where on earth is he going to go? I don't have much to say about the game, to be honest. I expected... well, one thing I'll, I'll say about the game, but just very briefly, is I think Kenyon Drake is slowly slipping into RB2 territory in the Cardinals alone. Um, I, I don't think that he is the running back that they, he thought he, they were, he was going, they were going to be getting uh, from the Dolphins, but when you've still got a, a quarterback that can run as much as Killer Murray as well you just you don't really know when so you've got kind of three good running backs in the backfield so it'll be interesting to see going forward who takes the most snaps uh, from running back for the Cardinals but yeah this game wasn't the most noteworthy um, obviously just for Joe Flacco being back that was about it but um, obviously as you said the Le'Veon Bell uh, release has been the biggest talking point from this Yeah where do you think he's uh, he's going to go? I don't think it's surprising that he was let go he, he, Adam Gase said that he didn't particularly want him there when he went there. He appeared to not use him. But yeah. Bell's now said that he wants to go to a team that's going to win, looking at social media. so I think he, he'll, go to team, he'll go to a team, well, he will want to go to a team that has a chance of reaching the playoffs. I, I can't see him joining, I, I, not regarding any other running backs in the league, you can't see him joining like a Jacksonville Jaguars or a Denver Broncos that might not have a shot making the playoffs this season. I think that would be silly at this point in his career. One team that I, I really think could work for him is the Miami Dolphins, to be honest. Just to say that. Yeah, I think that could be a very, very good... I feel that when Tua does come in to play for the Dolphins, which could be a well yet, um, with the way Fitzpatrick's playing, he needs a running back like Le'Veon Bell that can find those holes from the offensive linemen and just kind of work his way through and gain yardage to kind of take the, the pressure off of Tua when he plays. But um, I don't know about what Kai thinks about potential landing spots. One of them that I was going to say was, I mean, there's been talk last week of the Chiefs, but I can't see him going there. I think uh, he would I end up in well. too much of a crowded backfield. Um, 
But I think I think someone like the Dolphins, like you say, Mikey, could be a perfect fit. He trains in Miami as well, apparently. Um, I don't know who he trains with a lot of the time, but if he's not training team, um, he seems to train train in Miami. Um, so it could be a preference for him as well, personally. Um, I think he needs to try and find somewhere where he can, where he can get back to the kind of levels that he found at, at Pittsburgh. Um, like you say, one of the big things he needs is a an offensive line who can actually find him the gaps. Or oh, sorry, that can create the gaps and he'll find the gaps. Um, obviously with the Jets, it's like putting a brick wall up in front of him and asking him to run through it or aye. run round it. Aye, their role line wasn't particularly good. I've got a list of some teams and I just want you to tell me if you think possibly yes or definitely no. Okay? So, okay. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there's been rumours no. that... They've brought every running back in the world into there. Uh, they still don't have a proper receiving back because they've they've brought McCoy in. They've, he's not really worked so well. They're trying to use Keyshawn Vaughn. I think they've basically decided that Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette between them can't catch. So there was rumours possibly going in there. And bear in mind, he doesn't have much of a salary to pay because he's still guaranteed all that money for the Jets. So whoever's going to yeah. get him is going to get him fairly cheap. I, I, I can't see him wanting to go somewhere like Tampa Bay. No, that's not going to happen. Obviously, Kansas City is one as well. No. We've talked about again. I I don't see him wanting. I think to they've they've barely scratched the surface on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and in a way, I think Hilaire has got a lot more pace. But very similar type of running back to Le'Veon Bell, um, good receiving back as well, especially when he was at LSU. So I can't see that happening. No. Another team I heard, but was then quickly shot down by the head coach. Was actually Kai's Eagles, because normally the Eagles don't like a three-down running back. Mm-hmm. But uh, Doug Peterson has just has come out and said that they think they found their three-down guy in Sanders, so they don't want anything. But there was rumor that possibly as a change of pace back in there. And finally, the one that I think might have the most realistic chance of happening. I'm not too sure about the Dolphins. I think they've already got enough folk there that they're happy with. I think possibly the Chicago Bears. That's the one team I've got circled here. Yeah. I think the Bears is a perfect fit for him. I think with Tariq Cohen out potentially for the rest of the season and David Montgomery not really cutting it at the moment, I think Le'Veon Bell is the perfect fit there. And that's the two sides of the coin because he is a very good receiving back, but you've seen it in Pittsburgh. If Nick Foles is struggling and can only throw to someone like Alan Robinson and they're doubling him out of the game, it's going to open up a lot of space for Le'Veon Bell to kind of take those little um, short routes and gain quick yardage. So, yeah, I... I think he'll be, if if I was to pick any team, it would be the Chicago Bears. Interesting. I would agree. I think the Chicago Bears, personally. That's my prediction. Or is it is Bill Belichick just going to throw us all off guard and he's just going to sign with the Patriots? I heard those rumours as well, but then I think they've got... <laughs> they've got imagine imagine Levin Bell and Cam Newton in the backfield together. That would be... Yeah. Any player in the history of the NFL who is potentially going elsewhere there'll be 1% of rumours to go to the Patriots. That's just the way the Patriots work. I think, to be fair, with Damien Harris, Sonny Michel, Rex Burkhead, James White, I think they might be happy with the backfield. <laughs> Potentially. You'd like to think so. Yeah. I'm going... You know, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll probably find out quite quickly as well. It looks as if things seem to be moving um, quite fast. So I would say within the next couple of weeks, I think we'll probably know. The only worrying thing for Bell is that he had apparently been on the trading block for quite a while and no one... Even Nobody tried to offer like a sixth or a seventh round pick, you know. So, but this is similar to what happened. Do you think now would be the chance? 
well, like you say, obviously there's still all that money from from the Jets. Do you think this is when a, a team would maybe take the chance? And just true. Go, maybe, oh, right. maybe they didn't they didn't want his contract possibly, and now they're able to get him on the cheap. So, I think a lot of teams knew that the chances of him hitting free agency would have been very very high. So why would you you would risk not losing a sixth or seventh round pick and waiting for him to hit free agency. It's the exact same thing that happened with Leonard Fournette when uh, yeah. nobody wanted to offer a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick for him as soon as he got put out into free agency and got released. Ta- uh, Tampa Bay picked him up, so who are probably looking to trade a seventh or sixth round pick for him at the time. So, yeah, I, I don't think he'll be short of suitors, uh, especially with the career he had in Pittsburgh. I agree. Moving on to the next game, which is actually two of the teams I've heard were possibly in for him, are the Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. And is this the upset of the week, is it, with Las Vegas winning 40 points to 32? Personally, for I Kansas know. City, I thought last week against the Patriots, if the Patriots actually had calm the way that uh, the Chiefs played last week, I thought they would have lost. Um, and this week, it appears that they, they have. I think there's far too many mistakes on the Kansas City side of the ball. I would agree with with uh, upset or shock of the week. Um, I know, obviously, we'll come on to it, but I know the Dolphins and the 49ers maybe took a couple of folk by surprise, but I think this was probably shock of the week. Um, and like you say, I feel it's kind of been coming for the Chiefs. Um, last week against the Patriots, they didn't really get out of second gear to win it, and they made quite a few mistakes. Uh, and then, obviously, against the Chargers, with especially when you consider Justin Herbert going in there in his first game, you would expect the Chiefs to go in there and roll all over them. Um, obviously, went to overtime. I think the Chiefs have kind of they've they've stumbled to a few wins this year. I would say uh, they've not quite shown their Super Bowl winning potential of last year. Um, but I suppose that's championship winning teams. Um, they will find a way to win. Aside from this week, um, what I would say was I thought that Derek Carr was was excellent this week. Um, I'm not saying he's not been good in previous weeks, but I think this week he kind of took the game with a scruff of the neck and, and went and won it for the Raiders. Um, and he seems to have found his, his deep ball threat in, um, in Henry Ruggs. Two receptions for 118 yards, as uh, averaging 72 yards a catch. It's uh, certainly no bad uh, to be catching. <laughs> it's, it's a good return. Ah, I was going to say, yeah. Uh... Uh, only one touchdown in those two catches, so you know, he might need to shocking, that. Shocking, shocking. Uh... Yeah, uh, uh, again, I can't remember if it's because we talk so much about American football, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or in the group chat or whatever, but I do remember saying at one point that th- they need to, uh, the Americans kind of say this term a lot, is like feed Derek Carr, like kind of release him and let him play the way he can play because he is a very good quarterback and sometimes I don't think that the the Raiders of the Gruden system fits him as much, but I feel like this season Gruden is really, really starting to kind of let Derek Carr let loose and it showed this week. I thought he was, as Kai said, fantastic this week. Um, he he just seems to, at times when the team's struggling, is just to carry them on their back, whether Josh Jacobs is having a little tough quarter or something like that. Derek Carr always seems like the one that can kind of lift this team up. I'm not the biggest fan of him personally. I think I've spoke to you about this before. I really didn't like him in hard knocks. I just couldn't take to him at all. But I just I think he is a, a very underrated quarterback who could potentially take the Raiders to the playoffs. I think there's quite a strong chance. I thought at the start of the season that three teams out of this division could get into the playoffs. Um, 
to be fair, the Raiders weren't one of them. I had the Broncos. But uh, it, could, <laughs> it could still be the case that three teams get into the playoffs, especially with the expanded yeah. playoff format here. Um, as a Clyde Edwards Hilaire owner, I really wish that they'd, uh, you know, those eight targets were actually caught instead of just being three receptions. And if touchdowns could go towards Hilaire as well, that would be, that'd be quite appreciated. But, uh, but yeah, I think a, a fairly big shock. No one really expected the uh, Chiefs to lose that game. Um, After all the the hype from Clyde Edwards Hilaire in pre fantasy drafts and things like that, as soon as uh, Williams opted out for the season, everyone knew he was going to be a first round pick. Are you as disappointed from what you've seen so far, or just think that there's still time to say? Tell? I I don't think disappointed is the right word because. I think he's maybe peaked far, 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 far too early in the season. As in week one, he was excellent, and I thought this is a—he's going to be great for the season. Um, and I'm sure Adam was probably rubbing his hands, thinking he's got an absolute scalp managing to get him. Um, I, I just feel like he's—he's he's gone from the highest of highs at the start of the season and played really well, and then he's kind of just gone back to—he's—he's he's not, he's not exactly producing bad numbers though for a rookie. Like it, he's probably having a, a relatively good rookie season. Um, I was, so I, was, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed. Um, I was going to say that um, disappointed is maybe a bit harsh on it. Certainly not what you'd want from your first round pick. He's currently the running back twelve in the season, and our fantasy scoring format, averaging nearly fifteen fantasy points a game. I mean that's it's solid. It's not you know going to be blown up anything you know, but certainly it, it's a solid show, and you know he's he's fairly safe floor. He's he's never been out of double digits for his week. You know, you're going to get something solid, but he's not had that explosive week that you're maybe used to having from your first round pick. Something like an Alvin Kamara who's getting like 40 point weeks and stuff like that. You've not had yeah. anything for Hilaire yet. I think it's safe to say that your first round pick was better than my first round pick, Adam, with Michael Thomas. So, so far. No, no. Mine was even worse. I had Saquon Barkley. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I have trumped you both. Second round, yeah. the second pick in the draft. Gone already. Uh, yeah. Well, we didn't can... stop me beating Adam. Right, I'm going to move on quickly. We're moving on to the next <laughs> game. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. The Texans won 30 points to 14 after sacking the head coach. Again, the Jags are bad. People didn't listen to me at the start of the season, but I think the Jags are really bad, and I do not think Minshew is very good. Please tell me if I'm wrong. No, I think you could potentially be right there. Um, I think they're they're masked by the fact that they're not the worst team in the NFL just now. Um, those teams playing just as bad. Uh, yeah, I, 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 for a start, I thought the Texans finally kind of, obviously, finally got a win. They finally actually looked pretty good. Um, I'm not saying they didn't look good before. Now they obviously just didn't get the the kind of results they were expecting. Um, but I thought they looked a lot better this week. Deshaun Watson looked really good. Um, to mainly Brandon Cooks, but looks of it. Um, but yeah, the Jagu- Jaguars, as um, all y'all would say in America, uh, they just didn't look that good at all. They're such a boring team as well. That's what I've always yeah. found. They just are not an exciting team in the slightest. So we're really looking forward to uh, the Jaguars moving to London when they become the London football team. Yeah, when they become our our local team. Yeah. The the thing is, is 
with the Jags is the year they got to the AFC Championship um, two, three years ago. They were just, again, Joe Flacco was under centre and it was their D that got them to that AFC Championship game. Yeah. So some people love to watch that. I really like watching um, defensive performances. But again, as you said, even even when they have such an elite D, they're still boring to watch. It was just there's just something not there's just something not right about watching the Jags. But to what you said, Adam, I, I just think that Gardner Minshew is extremely inconsistent. He can have a career day one week, and then he can throw four picks the next week. When we went and see, when myself, Kai, and Sean went down to see this exact game. In London last year, um, God, I think he threw what three or four picks, and they had a fumble or something as well. He was absolutely awful, awful, awful. And when you put him side across from Deshaun Watson, who was unbelievable that day, it's and you know that they're in the same division. It's it's tough for the Jags. Um, I think they'll have a top five pick in the draft. I do think that. Um, I've actually wrote down who I think my the top five worst teams will be. I think you can guess who two of them will be already. It's but, New, York, um, New York, New York, New York, and New York. Yeah, I think the, the Jets, Giants, Yankees, Red Sox, all that stuff. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I, I think, I think that the Texans will go with. I think that's already been announced that they're going with Romeo Cornell for the end of the season. Yeah, as, uh, as an interim head coach. I just, yeah, Texans. Can I see them making the playoffs? No, but. I think they're going to start to get better. I think a cloud's lifted uh, away from them after the whole Bill O'Brien saga. I think a lot of their big players didn't get along with them. So it'll be interesting to see how the Texans do from here on out. Time for the Texans to get their first win, obviously, in a divisional yeah. matchup. Um, I think if they'd lost that and gone 0-5 um, and, and let the Jags go to 2-3, um, and three, then I think they would have probably struggled to come back from that. I know obviously there's a lot of the season to go, but it's a psychological thing as well. Yeah, um, but I can see I can see the the Texans building on that. I can see the Jags continuing to slip back, and you never know. The Texans could get, give it a good push from now to the end of the season. Um, well, my bank balance would appreciate it because I did uh, bet on them to win this division at the start of the season, so <laughs> it'd be appreciated if uh, if they did do well. Just quickly pointing out uh, Brandon Cooks, as Kai said earlier, he actually had more receiving yards today or this week than he had the previous four weeks combined. Uh, which as, a, is a, as a Will Fuller owner, that's not what I wanted. Uh, he's still got a touchdown Fuller, so he's all right. Yeah. In Dynasty, I have both of them, so it's very confusing times <laughs> for me right now because I don't know who to start or whether to start <laughs> them both. Or I really don't know. I should maybe try and trade one of them, so... If anybody's in our league is listening or in a YouTube, shout out to, uh, shout out to Finn Turner, who I know has been trying to get uh, Will Fuller for the past three weeks. So there's your chance, Finn. Right. Finn, I'll message you after this podcast. <laughs> we can move on from that AFC South matchup to an AFC North matchup where the Cincinnati Bengals travelled to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens won 27 points to three. Um, seven sacks for Joe Burrow in that game. I think that man might break if they don't sort that offensive line out. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I was just obviously I've got the the Ravens D and fancy, so I was 30 seconds, thirty-seven seconds off a, a defensive shutout. But I think without looking off the top of my head, I think my highest scoring player this week was the Ravens D. Um, so that tells you all you need to know about this game. Um, I. I know obviously the, the Bengals have played 
quite a few good teams this season. I think this is probably one of the best defensive units they've come up against. And I think it finally kind of showed that... Not, not that Burrow's not quite there yet, because he's not. He's played, what, five games in the NFL. Um, but I think it kind of shows there's still obviously a long way for him to come. I think this was quite a big learning learning curve for him, that as soon as you play against a, a good D who get out to you quick, I think he, he'll probably take a lot from that game. Um, but yeah, again, never in doubt for the Ravens. Can I just uh, yeah. point out that the Bengals were down that whole game, obviously, you know, like 17, yeah. 20 points, you know, on that. Joe Mixon still rushed 24 times. Like, they weren't even trying to get back in that game. They were just giving the ball. When I saw the scoreline, I was expecting lots of throws, like, just trying to get the ball down the field. And then Joe Mixon's points kept going up and up and up. And it, it was it was almost as if they didn't realise that they, were, they had a 20-odd point deficit for most of the game. Like, but what, what I, the... Sorry, continue, Mikey. I have a feeling I know what's coming. No, no, that's no, we'll get to that, that's for sure. No, just when you said that obviously Joe Burrow got sacked eight times, the just the Seven, draft picks think, from it? the Bengals. Obviously they took Joe Burrow first and T. Higgins in the second round, which are very, very good uh, draft picks, I, I think, but they they only took one uh, offensive lineman in the sixth round. Um whereas when you had the Dolphins, I know they had a lot more draft picks, but they took Tua with a first pick and they know they want to try and protect him. They took Austin Jackson in the first round, offensive tackle. They took a guard in round two. They took a guard in round four. They took a centre in round six. They are clearly planning to build around two or for the future. And I just don't think the Bengals have done that. If they have a poor season this season and maybe have a top 10 pick, are they going to bring in some offensive linemen to try and protect them? You'd like to think so. Especially, I think Joe Burrow knew going into that, um, that team that he was going to have struggles uh, protecting the ball. But I just think that they need to protect him a lot more. Uh, one really interesting factor before the game was was Patrick Queen, who I think got Defensive Player of the Week. Um, apparently, they, they didn't get on at LSU, uh, even when they won the championship together. So the fact that Patrick Queen was all over him, I think he had two fumbles, uh, one recovery, one taken into the house, maybe an interception as well, who knows. But um, it was interesting to see Patrick Queen get the upper hand in that game. Yeah, uh, we were talking last week as well for the Bengals about the you know, AJ Green falling apart. And again, he only had one target in that game there. Uh, I think. They're... I don't know if you saw the. Sorry, just on the topic of AJ Green. I don't know if you saw the video where someone had kind of overanalyzed it and made it look like um, AJ Green was asking someone to trade him on the sideline. And for any other player, I think um, you would be surprised at that. I wouldn't be surprised if AJ Green once traded at this moment in time. I I I agree. I think at this point, yeah, of his career, he wants to go somewhere where he's got a chance to win. And this team is kind of in a rebuild phase at the moment, you know, with Burrow coming in and T Higgins are kind of changing that offense slightly. And I think AJ Green is part of the old offense and not the new one. Um, he can't afford to spend a number of years rebuilding. Exactly. Yeah. Um, on the Ravens side of the ball, Jackson. I mean, he he won the game, but I wouldn't have said he was anything. You know, one hundred and eighty passing yards, uh, three rushing yards. Like it wasn't they didn't exactly. Didn't seem to do anything. <laughs> oh, somehow they've won that game. You know, by twenty odd points, and no one's really played particularly well. Yeah, they they never really shifted out of first gear, and I, I don't think they needed to against the Bengals. To be honest, they only had uh, they only had two touchdowns the whole game. Yeah, like. How do you win a game that Offensive far? Touchdowns, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like 
Uh, sorry, yeah, too too offensive. That sounds. Um, I, am I worried as a Lamar Jackson owner? I wouldn't say worried, no, because you know his quality and you know he'll still get your points. But is he hitting anywhere near the heights that you probably hoped of him for the week, five weeks? Absolutely not. If you drafted him um, in the third round, you're not happy. No, I mean, I took him for third round, maybe. Third round, yeah. Um, high for a quarterback, but when you essentially you look at his stats from last season, if you get anything like that, then it's a great pick. But I think I spoke to Adam at the start of the season just about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes' ADP, and they're going in the second and third rounds of fantasy. And we were just discussing it. If, if he fell in my lap late in those rounds, maybe, but I just don't... I feel like there's a lot of other players that you could get in there that would be better because you know that there's players like Kyla Murray or Josh Allen or Dak Prescott that, that would have got you points anyway. So... Um, obviously, we'll get to a couple of those quarterbacks soon, but um, I just feel that they were fucked. Some taking, some people were taking him far too early in the rounds, Kai included. Uh, and now he's. I feel like he actually texts me. I feel like he should get some evidence of this, offering to trade him away. Just oh, you can get all the, I'm sure you can get all the evidence check. you want because I was literally about to say if anyone wants him in our league, have me up with a trade. Like, I think. Yeah. See what of it. My my thinking behind that is you. I draft. Yeah, you get a lot for him because he's Lamar Jackson, and I think you could bring in another quarterback. For example, someone like Ben, Big Ben. He's not a he's not a fancy quarterback. He's not a glamorous quarterback. Most folk probably wouldn't even consider drafting him. But he's so steady. He's you know you'll always get points out of him. He's in a what looks like a good offense for this season, like. I, I I just feel like you draft Lamar Jackson as a dual threat quarterback and he's not beaten that this season so far. In our fantasy league scoring format, Lamar Jackson is averaging 19.6 points a game and Big Ben 20.2. Yeah, so... If somebody offered you... Hypothetically, is this hypothetical, Mikey? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at Matt. No, I'm just looking at Matt team, but I'm just adding him. So, say somebody offers you, like, Derek Henry and like a, a very good wide receiver for Lamar Jackson and you accept that, would you be okay accepting that knowing that you're probably going to have to ride with someone like Big Ben or Fitzpatrick the rest of the season? Or? Absolutely fine. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. I think that's what Lamar I, Jackson I, does need to think about. I, I, don't think, I don't think you get much, well obviously as Adam said, you don't get any worse of production out of someone like Big Ben. Yes, Lamar Jackson will sometimes have a week where he goes very big if he gets his legs going and he starts rushing a bit, it, it, there's a chance he goes very big. But if I can, if there's the opportunity there to get an elite wide receiver and a, a good steady running back, I think anyone would be silly not to take it. I picked Herbert off of waivers and he's averaging 21.8 points a game. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, look, just looking at our free agency just now, some of the quarterbacks that are there, Big Ben, Fitzpatrick, Ryan Tannehill, um, Baker, um, Carson Wentz is still there Jared Goff, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Burrow these are all players that are going to get at, at least similar points to what Lamar Jackson's already got to this point yeah. um, yes if you trade him tomorrow Lamar Jackson might start balling out for the Ravens and getting huge scores but if he's scoring 35 points a game and you've got a quarterback who's only getting 20 points a game but as you said you've brought in an elite wide receiver or a running back I think people should definitely think about 
trading Lamar Jackson. Not in a bad way, nothing bad to him, but definitely think about trading him for uh, better players on your team. Just with you bringing up Tannehill here, all right? I have some stats. Okay, In the last 17 starts, this is Tannehill versus Lamar Jackson, okay? Touchdown to interceptions. Tannehill's 36 and 7. Lamar Jackson's 36 and 8. Passing yards a game. It's 233 to Tannehill, 195 to Jackson. Completion percentage 68% Tannehill, 64% Lamar. And passer rating 114 to 104 in favour of Tannehill. Rushing touchdowns, which is the bit people say, oh, but Lamar rushes. Lamar's only got one more rushing touchdown in the last 17 games than what Tannehill has. Yeah. It's not Ryan Tannehill anymore, it's Air Tannehill after that yeah. celebration from <laughs> Wednesday night. I'm that surprised. was one of the worst touchdown celebrations I think I've ever seen in my we'll life. We'll get on to that, but I'm surprised he didn't do his ACL in that. <laughs> anyway, I think we've really touched on that game by not talking about it at all. So we'll move on to the next game, which was the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. The Panthers won 23 points to 16. Just for anyone, or for everyone, sorry, who can't see the video at the moment, um, Mikey's just rolled his eyes and uh, sighed at the thought of the, the Falcons. Just, I've, just, I've never been a non-supporter of a team and taken on so much stress from a team before in my life. I, I don't understand <laughs> how it works. I, I feel... I could honestly say I feel for Falcons fans more than I feel for Jets and Giants fans, honestly, because I think the Falcons were expecting more at the start of the season and they've got some elite elite players. They've got former MVP. They've been to a Super Bowl two or three years ago. And just to put up with the amount of crap that they have to put up with, I just it stresses me out. I heard when you consider about... what the Falcons have been and how yeah. good they, they have been. I mean, what, was it two two seasons ago they were in the three, Super Bowl? Three, three sorry. Ago. Three years ago, they're on the Super Bowl. If you'd told me three seasons later they would be sitting at own five with one of the most annoying coaches in the world, like I would have probably been very surprised. But at the same time, when you see how bad they are this season, can I offer you a hypothetical situation? I'll see if you think this may or may not happen. I've heard some rumors, people talking about this. So obviously, Atlanta own five. Do yep. they start thinking of tanking for Trevor? Okay. This is the the one thing I've I've got down here. Obviously, the fact that Dan Quinn they've parted ways with him. They sh- I said this in last week's podcast that they should have sacked him last season. They started last season one and six, but then went on to finish six and two. So they were seven and nine overall. Um, but I, I generally wouldn't be surprised if they had a top five pick in the draft. And if you've got a top five pick in the draft you're potentially looking at Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. Those are the three big quarterbacks that are going this year. They can't cut Matt Ryan loose for financial reasons until yeah, after the next season. But they could always trade him away. I mean, I think you could still get a lot for a decent return. Here's a team, okay? And here's the link, right? Matt Ryan to San Francisco, who we're going to talk about in the next game, who yeah. <laughs> appear to not be particularly happy with their quarterback. Obviously, Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta when they went to the Super Bowl. I think there might be some legs to that if they do end up with one of the, the highly rated quarterbacks in the draft. But do, yeah. they, do they consider, uh, if they take one of the highly rated quarterbacks in the draft, maybe not... Um, Obviously, the first pick because I think I think the New York teams have got that sewn up. Um, <laughs> but if they get a top five pick and they take one of those three, and you have someone like Matt Ryan, do you just keep him for a year? 
do you have someone, a rookie quarterback, have the first season either maybe not starting for the first few while, you still have someone as reliable as Matt Ryan. An Alex Smith Pat Mahomes situation. Yeah. yeah. Like that kind of thing. You have an experienced guy to to play under for a while and then you kinda in my opinion, you know, the, I think the reason that the Dolphins are doing it with Tua is simply down to injuries. See if, if Tua never had the surgery or anything and he got drafted. Because everyone was tanking for Tua last year and then um, Joe Burrow came out for LSU and was phenomenal. I, can, I, I, could, I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Lawrence wasn't the number one pick in the draft because I think with the way that the college football is going this season with a lot of teams pulling out, Trey Lance could potentially become the number one pick. But I think those three, as I mentioned, are in the top five. But I would just love to see someone like Justin Fields at the Falcons, who's a mobile quarterback with the likes of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Todd Gurley as well. Um, I, I would love to, out of the three of those, I think Justin Fields would be the perfect fit for the Falcons and to usher in a new era. I don't know, I'm promoting a lot of other things like um, the Alex Smith documentary, but on Netflix there's um, a documentary called uh, QB1 Beyond the Lights. It's all about quarterbacks in high school before they go to college. And season two has Justin Fields in it. Um, and yeah, just a very likable guy. Would love to see him go to a big team and kind of change their, their luck. Um, but yeah, I think the, the Matt Ryan, as much as I've been a big fan of Matt Ryan, I think the Matt Ryan era is coming to an end now that Dan Quinn's gone. Yep, I agree. I think... Uh... I think so. I think that was a major talking point for that game. I'm quickly going to touch on the Panthers myself before I move to the next game. I've just got down uh, Davis uh, and Anderson again appear to be the offense. Mike Davis doing Mike Davis things since CMC's gone and uh, Robbie Anderson catching all the passes again. Um, One one thing with Robbie Anderson that really annoys me, uh, it annoys me just because I've got OCD with stuff like this. Uh, Do you think this will annoy him? So week one, he had 114 yards. Week two, 109. And week five, 112. In week four, he only had 99 yards. Will that annoy him? That he didn't have one extra yard for 100? Or do you think he only cares about the win? His team got the win that week, and that was fine. I think he'll say he only cares about the win. But I bet you he'd love to but have 100 receiving yards every week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious about stuff like that, because I, I know we are not professional athletes um, by any stretch of the imagination. But... When you see that he's had eight receptions for 99 yards, he must be coming off the field thinking, I wish I got another 100-yard game. Um, sorry, just before we move on, on the Panthers, they've obviously had a good start to the season. Uh, I think they're kind of starting to find the groove under Teddy Bridgewater. It looks quite good, actually. Teddy's a perfect um, game manager. Probably not, not someone you would have probably picked out at the start of the season, and he still isn't one you would pick out as one of the better quarterbacks, but... I think he's kind of starting to map out that offence quite well. Um, I think the test of the Panthers will be within the next four or five weeks. Um, they obviously travel to uh, the Bears this week. Coming, they've got the Saints the following week. They play the Falcons again um, in a few weeks' time, but then after that they play the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. I think those five weeks will be interesting to see how they come out of that. Um, it's a rather tough five weeks, but you never know with CMC potentially back next week. I think, um, I think, I think the Panthers could maybe go on a decent run. I think when the at the start of the season, the Panthers maybe thought they were looking at another top ten pick this year, and when CMC went down, they were thinking, "Oh boy, this is going to be a, a long, long year." But if you're a Panthers fan right now and you're sitting thinking we're three and two or whatever, and now we've got CMC coming back, 
who knows what could happen this season. They, they seem to be one of the biggest surprises this season. I would agree. I kind of felt I was slightly higher on the Panthers than a lot of people were. I'm not going to say I thought they were going to be as good as they are, but um, I'm quite happy to see them because I quite like the Panthers, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yes, they certainly are. The next game um, was Miami at the San Francisco 49ers, and uh, my Dolphins prediction was one week too early, I think. Uh, <laughs> the, the Dolphins won that game 43-17. Jimmy Garoppolo dropped at half-time. Um... So is Ryan Fitzpatrick just the best quarterback ever? MVP in mapping, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, see when you see if someone was to say, I, I think I spoke to you both at the start. I was swaying back and forth on the predictions because I wanted to take the Dolphins, and I was like, nah, surely the 49ers have got too much for them. But I think we all thought that the Dolphins had a chance in this game. If you'd said that it was going to finish what forty three seventeen, we yeah. would have laughed. Like for putting up forty points with the Miami Dolphins, it's against. The, the one of the best days in the league last season. It's just it was a crazy result. Everything just seems to be going right for the Dolphins just now um, under Fitzpatrick. And I don't know if you've seen it uh, when they Fitzpatrick threw one of the touchdowns and two. I came running onto the field and they were hugging each other and stuff. Like you can just tell that they've got a good relationship. And similar to what you said about Alex Smith and Mahomes, I think this could be very beneficial for Tua in the long run. Do you think Tua even gets on the field this year? See, see, see if Fitzpatrick plays as well as this all season, you would be so hard pushed to take him out of the team, especially if they keep winning. Uh, the, yeah, I know, right. obviously, you want to put to it and you want to give him time, but like, I, I could understand it. See if the Dolphins had started through week five and had been really bad, and Fitzpatrick really wasn't playing well. You you try and get to in as early as you can. I don't think there's a rush to put him in though. No. And I think that's a good thing, though, because of the injuries yeah. and for him to learn uh, the playbook and things. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you, like, maybe you might see him come on for a couple of snaps. I thought, considering they were up by such a large margin on Sunday, I thought Tua maybe would have came in late fourth quarter. Yeah. But do they do they want that whole um, Tua start in the game, making his debut, rather than just coming on in garbage time? That's probably another thing that they're thinking of as well. So, But yeah, as I said, it's there's, there's absolutely no rush to bring him in whatsoever. A quick update for Jordan Howard. He didn't have a carry in that game, so it didn't increase his uh, like 0.8 yards of carry, whatever it was he was on at the moment. <laughs> uh, moving on the other side of the ball, um, I asked this question, I think the first week we did a podcast, week three, was is it just, is, is Jimmy G really that good or is it just uh, kind of just the, the system that makes a quarterback fairly decent in there? Uh, has this answered the question that Jimmy G really isn't actually that good? It, I think... Um... You've obviously got to factor in the fact he's coming off an injury. Like Most folk probably don't come back off that and, and have the best game of their life, but there's a difference between the best game of your life and throwing two interceptions in 17 attempts. He only had seven completions to his... Well, nine completions in total, only seven of them to his own team. Um, it, it just wasn't... He just he didn't look as if he could be bothered being there, which I think was part of the reason. He, he looked really sluggish. He... Looked kind of a couple of yards off it. Um, it was thrown all over the shop. I, I, I think you could be right in the is it the system rather than the quarterback. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is a bad quarterback because he's not, but 
I, I think the system probably supports him very well, and that they are good round about him. There was one of the there was one of the interceptions, uh, uh, the one to the left, the left hand side of the field that it was thrown at the cover two, and he threw it on the inside shoulder of his receiver where the safety was cut covering, and like you only should be throwing that outside, and it was like throwing yards inside. It was nowhere near. It was really disappointing. Um, CG Bethard came in to be honest, didn't do. Much he didn't do any better, but uh, at least he didn't throw any interceptions. Uh, but to be honest, at that stage, the game was kind of uh, it was gone, it was gone, it was gone at half time. To be fair, there yeah. were 37 down. Yeah, do you think there's a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo because he was seen to be the, the savior for New England um, to take over from Tom Brady, and maybe that's always kind of been hanging over him? I think he was. And I think even Patriots fans were disappointed when he got drafted, uh, when he got traded to the the 49ers. Um, I always thought when Tom Brady retired in New England, I didn't ever think he'd go to another team, but I always thought that when he retired, Jimmy G would come in and they'd just continue their dominance. I just thought he was the perfect fit. And I don't know if that that weighs on him quite a lot, um, the fact that he was meant to be the next Tom Brady. Um, But... I feel for them because I, I, I do like the 49ers. Um, they're just struggling with injuries a lot just now. Um, and yeah. the quarterback play has just not been good. I mean, Raheem Mostert came back and he just showed that he is actually very good. I don't know if, again, it's the system or if it's him, but 11 attempts, 90 yards rushing. Um, yeah, disappointing for the 49ers. They've got a tough game next week against the Rams in Sunday Night Football, I think, haven't they? So it's going to be... They'll hope to bounce back against that. That's the sort of one that you see the Rams are playing quite well. The 49ers haven't played particularly well. The 49ers are going to win that game probably <laughs> just because the way the NFL works. Stars, isn't it? Like... Yeah. But uh, but yeah, well done to the Dolphins and uh, let the Fitz magic keep on rolling. The next the next game um, has another big talking point in it. Uh, the New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys won 37-34. Um... The major talking point is that Dak injury, uh, his foot facing very much the wrong direction. Um, Before we get into the series of that injury, who was it that put in the group chat that Dak ben. did something? Oh ben. no, Dak. Oh no, Dak. That was all it said. No emojis or anything. I was and a couple Matt, of seconds behind. Yeah, me too. And I thought, yeah, interception. He's an interception, fumble. fumble. Yeah, not his leg had twisted round and snapped into... <laughs> I, I was talking to Sean at the time. Uh we were on FaceTime together, and obviously we both saw the message saying, oh no, Dak. So I'm expecting, like like you say, an interception, a fumble, he's like messed up does, a does third or uh, No, Connor does. Yeah, right. Um, so it wasn't even as if like it didn't matter to Finn, and he said it so casually, and I was just watching it, expecting it, and then the camera pans around, and he puts it like... 90 oh. degrees to oh man it was horrible it was the, the bit that I was, what I was was worse was he tried to kick it back into place <laughs> it was it was when he, he lifts up his leg and he's like excuse me this seems to be this seems to be pointing the wrong way <laughs> he's just looking at the ref like uh, right what did I do here but, uh. but in, a, in all seriousness um it does look a bad injury obviously he was in surgery and out of surgery within four hours of it happening he went straight to the hospital yeah, I think he was he was back out of surgery by the end of the night yeah um but what does this do? Obviously, uh, Dalton's coming in for the rest of the season. I'm assuming. I haven't. I'm, I. I don't know exactly how long he's going to be out for, but I'm assuming Dax out for the season with that injury. Yeah, I um, think it's just like six to eight months. Yeah. Well, what did you hear? 
I was I think it was initially quoted as four to six months, but I think they've now come out and said it's gonna be the, the tail end of that. Obviously obviously this is Dak's last year in his contract mm-hmm. at Dallas as well. How does that how does that affect because obviously Amari Cooper got a contract, Zeke's got a contract, there was talk of Dak getting a contract but he didn't yeah. get one, I'm I sure. Know, um I know Mikey's kinda of looked into this a wee bit well this yeah, week. Just, so I'll I'll let I'll let him go into the detail, but in my eyes, I think this will be. I don't think you'll see Dak playing for the Cowboys again. Yeah, this was at the start of the season, just before the we go into the contract stuff. The fact that they paid Zeke and they paid Cooper, which I, I wasn't, that was fine. You just you thought get all three of them signed up and that's it. You don't put a franchise tag on Dak Prescott. And as we said, what would happen is the stars have aligned for um, Alex Smith or whatever to come back. Feel like it's been the complete opposite for Dak, and this has just been not the best maybe six months from going through free agency and the contract talks to now being in the injury. But the, I looked into a lot of the kind of unrestricted free agents at the end of this year and to see who Dallas could get. Who who The, the question is, Dak is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Andy Dalton only also signed a one-year contract and their third-choice quarterback, Garrett Gilbert. All three of them are unrestricted free agents at the end of the season. So maybe the question is, Who's going to be Dallas's quarterback next season? Could it be someone completely different that's not on the roster just now? That's that's one thing that kind of maybe needs to be looked at going forward. But a few teams, I know myself and Kai spoke about the Steelers, but we think that Big Ben's got at least another two or three seasons in him two, this season and maybe another one or two after that. So you wouldn't think Dak's going to go and sit behind a, another quarterback. He's going to want to play straight away. But Indianapolis Colts, Jacoby Brissett's going to be a free agent. Philip Rivers only signed, it, signed a one-year contract. Um, could he end up there? Trubisky's going to be a free agent. If the Foles, the Foles magic doesn't work out, could we see him in Chicago? And then another two that I've got is the Jacksonville Jaguars, who is Minshew the answer, which we spoke about earlier on. Potentially not. And they've got Mike Glennon as their backup quarterback, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And then one other one that, I didn't even look into the contract situation, but we spoke about it earlier as the New England Patriots. <laughs> if they don't sign yeah. Cam on it, like who who knows what what happens with the Patriots? But I, I spoke to a few people about potentially seeing Dak on the Steelers. That was just my instinct thought before I looked into it. But potentially, I, I could see him as someone like the the Jags. And as we said, they just some teams need someone just to completely turn around the fortunes. Um, could we see him there? Falcons, Bears, Colts, or who knows what's going to happen with the Cowboys. So it, this is a very, this is probably the most interesting non-playing football piece of news that's probably going to be carrying on throughout the rest of the season. Especially both ways, like you say. like It'll be really interesting to see where Dak ends up. Um, obviously, with Dallas potentially having no quarterbacks come the end of the season, yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see who comes the other way. Yeah. If they look to try and take someone in from somewhere else. Yeah, because in saying that, I don't think that the Cowboys are going to have a bad enough record to have a top 10 pick in the draft. So, um, And I think Andy Dalton's good enough to lead them to maybe a 8-8 record or something like that. You, you never That'll know, win the division. Yeah, exactly. So a losing record could probably win the division just now. So, um, yeah, the whole Cowboys quarterback situation is definitely something that we should keep monitoring um, as the months go by to the end of the season. I think they might go with Dalton because obviously Dalton went there because his family's for Texas originally, isn't he? And... Uh, and he was having a big one-year contract as well. Yeah. A lot of money in that one-year contract. I think. I think to be honest, they they might go with Dalton for the foreseeable. I think they weren't wanting to pay Dak the money he was asking for. Um, 
and I don't know if looking talking about the teams you were pointing out there, I don't think the Patriots will want to pay Dak the money. Um, but I can see someone like the Jags, possibly. I think um, yeah. they are a sort of franchise that, and this might come across as harsh, that I don't think is particularly well run, so we'd be happy to just splash cash on a yeah. quarterback and hope that it solves all the problems they've got. When you say not particularly well run, I think that's highlighted quite well by the fact they are an American football team trying to move to England. Uh, that's got a lot to... That goes against everything that, like... I, I just I've never under I think it would be great because then we might have a chance of seeing more games. But if that happens, then you have every team they play having to travel. I think I think I think world. I think that bit about the Jags possibly being in London is to do with the fact that Sadiq Khan's their owner and he also owns. Football. I mean, yeah. So, but uh, but yes, I think the the one thing with Dak as well is that he knew one thousand percent that he was playing for a contract this season. And he, I think he leads the re, uh, leads the league in uh, passing yards. He was the record wasn't there to show it, but he was putting up 450, 500 yards a game and was playing spectacularly. If he continued the season like that, of course he would have got a contract. And if he didn't, he was going to get a big contract somewhere else. And this injuries came in at the worst possible time for him, um, especially with that division being so up for grabs as well. So it, I really do feel for him, and you've seen a lot of the other players in the league rally around him. So. Hopefully we'll see him play again at the start of next season. But who, who knows who's devastated. I, I know obviously he's probably in quite a bit of pain and shock when it happens, but I think you, he, everything kind of dawned on him at the same time. I think he realised that that was yeah. his season down the drain. And um, and obviously he didn't have the chance, like you say, to to maybe push the, the Cowboys to win that division. And, and um, who knows what else. Yeah, just quickly talking about the game. I've just got a couple of points. Dallas's defense has been bad all season, and I think it's just going to be continue to be bad. Uh, the O line, obviously, their center uh, Frederick retired at the start before the start of the year. They've also lost their right tackle and left tackle, so that offensive line, which used to be about the best in the league, is really struggling. Um, but the Giants, I'll say this for my my brother, since he told me it was Giants he supported. They actually did make a game of it, and I thought they were yep. going to do something, but uh, they just managed to sneak that win. The Cowboys. Yeah, I've just got down that the Giants are finally starting to show a bit of a fight, even in defeat. Um, they didn't go down without at least kind of giving the Cowboys. A, I say at least giving them a game. They won by a field goal. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like the the Giants were miles behind them. Um, Devonta Freeman seems to be kind of starting to stake his claim in the backfield a wee bit. Uh, he's finding his feet. Um, a rather interesting fact that I hadn't actually realised. I know that the Giants have been bad, but I didn't think they had been this bad. That's the first 300-plus yard game for the Giants this season. Overall oh. offense, first 300-plus yard game. It's the longest drought streak they've had since 2006. They've never gone that many games without scoring over 300 yards of offense for 14 years. Goodness me. This is actually somewhere that um, if... Levin Bell had been released slightly earlier. I think he would have ended up. There. I think this would have been a good backfield for Bell to go into, but uh, Freeman seems to have taken uh, the show here. Um, I'll move on to the next game, um, which I always seem to end up watching Indianapolis all the time, and it's never a particularly fun <laughs> game, but because I've got Jonathan Taylor in my fantasy team, I keep watching it. Um, so the Colts went to the Browns. Uh, the Browns won 32-23. to 23. Um, 
here are my points from the game and then I'll pass it on to you. Jonathan Taylor is good. Give him the ball more. Uh, Philip Rivers struggling and uh, both defences uh, slash special teams uh, were uh, scoring uh, points in this game. Yeah. I obviously ended up watching this one as well. Um, probably one of the most boring games of the week again. Even though there's like 50 um, points in it. Yeah, it was rubbish. Um, I like you say with the Colts, they're not again. They're not the most exciting team in the world to watch. Um, they they have a good record, but they're they're not very they're not very exciting. Um, they are in a tough division as well, like a very tough division. Obviously, with the Ravens at four and one and the Steelers at four and zero oh now as well. Um, how long will their boring football continue to get them results? Who knows? Um, but I don't think they'd really be minding how badly they play uh, as long as they keep getting results um and i can't i can't talk about a coach game without talking about um <laughs> mr mr blankenship who again i did a wee bit of looking because bit of looking that's not the word uh a wee bit of searching because i was interested to see how well he ranks in terms of kickers because he's, he's been on fire um rodrigo blankenship has scored 56 points this season the most by a rookie in the first five weeks of a season since 1970. Oh, that's a well, impressive statistic. 50, how did you find years. that? Um, did a bit of digging, ended up on the NFL website, and it just was one of the first things that popped up as an interesting point from the game. So clearly that tells you how exciting the game's been, that the stats guy has done that amount of research into uh, a kicker. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think he's the, the best player in the world right now. The GOAT. Um, touching on Rivers, I don't think this experiment has really worked, bringing Rivers yeah. in. I think they might actually be doing better if they kept with Jacoby Brissett, to be honest. That's that's what uh, I was going to say when you said that you thought the Colts might make the Super Bowl, is that I don't think he's the man to lead them to that. I think they've got a very, very good foundational pieces, but everybody knows the quarterback's the most important position. Um, I would have quite liked to have seen Jacoby Brissett play this season, especially with that D. I think they, they could have maybe had a better record than they've got just now. I know they're not got a terrible record, but um, yeah, Philip Rivers, I just don't know if he's he's past it at the moment. Yeah, I would echo that. I don't really think Philip Rivers is the most exciting um, the most exciting quarterback in the world. Does the job, doesn't do it very well, um, <laughs> but he's there. I just kind of feel like he's there, he's like a piece in their offence, but he never really contributes that much. A I mean, this week he contributed no touchdowns and two interceptions and, uh, and minus one rushing yards. So. Um, looking at the brown side of the ball, again, rumours heard, obviously, with the Chubb injury, that could this be a bell landing spot? A cheap, uh, a cheap uh, player for them to have in the backfield alongside Hunt with another one-two punch. To be honest, I think Hunt and Bale are too similar. Yeah. yeah. Is Chubb out for the is Chubb out for the season? I think it's it's not six six weeks. Six weeks, yeah. Uh, from I wouldn't, I wouldn't see from last week. So I think bringing someone like Le'Veon Bell in is probably not a wise choice. Because as soon as as soon as uh, Nick Chubb comes back, I think you would be hard pushed to considering their performance through the first three, four weeks, I think you would be pretty hard pushed to to knock either Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb off their perch. Yeah. Um, and I, like we said earlier, I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to want to come in and have his shine taken away by either one of them. I think, um, I was listening, I can't remember what podcast it was now, um, 
but talking about fantasy football, wherever Le'Veon Bell goes, he's going to ruin the fantasy value that was in that backfield, wherever it is he goes. So, like, there was talks, yeah. obviously, I'm going to Kansas City. If he does, then Edwards Hilaire value drops straight away. If he goes to, you know, here, then Hunt's value drops down even more. And, you know, like, it's... Uh, uh, how likely do you think it is that Bell doesn't go somewhere? I think it's almost as likely as he does. I think through five... I, I know, obviously, we spoke about a few landing spots for him, and... I still think he will find a team, but I think there is as much chance at this point in the season that he doesn't. Um, on the same basis that we've mentioned, there's quite a few crowded backfields. There's not, there's not many teams where you would say he would jump in and be running back one. Yeah, exactly. And we know he's not exactly the, the easiest to have in a dressing room either from uh, recent yeah. experience. So. Plus, if I'm a head coach and I bring in Le'Veon Bell, I'm telling him to delete his Twitter because he just... <laughs> uh, it's just it's painful to watch from someone who's not even associated with the Jets or anything like that or the Steelers is just seeing that guy just slander his franchises and things like that. It's, it can be embarrassing to see sometimes. I think social media can ruin a lot of relationships inside organisations in American football or just sports in general, to be honest. Yes, I totally agree. Um We'll just move on now to the next game, which was uh, the Minnesota Vikings at the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks beat the Vikings 27 points to 26. Obviously, there was an injury in this game, but we'll come to that in a minute. My first question is, what on earth were they doing on fourth down? The Vikings <laughs> right at the end there. I, watched I think, think Mike about this. I just laughed every time I watched it. Block Capitals, I, I text Kai, and I was like, they are fourth in inches at the two-minute warning, and they're up by five. You kick a field goal to make it an eight-point game, right? And as good as Russell Wilson is, he's just been put into the 99 club in Madden, as good as he is, they drive down the field either way, knowing that they need to get a touchdown to win the game. But the fact that that two-point conversion is in the back of their head, you kick that field goal, I think the Vikings win that game. Um, yep. Whereas they drive down the field and they know that they don't need to hit a two-point conversion or anything like that. And that's just that's not playing in their head the full drive when they've only got two minutes left and one timeout. I just I don't know what Mike Zimmer was thinking. I was I was absolutely shocked that they even went for it. I feel like the commentators weren't even... They, they mentioned it a few times. Yeah, I, I was literally... And again, I feel like I'm supporting every team in the NFL, like the Falcons, the Vikings. I was literally like, why are you doing this? I just had no... No idea why they went for it on fourth and inches. I would have understood it more if they had Dalvin Cook and they went fourth and inches, but obviously he got injured and we'll get to that. But I just don't understand what the the thinking was behind that decision. As a Packers fan, uh, I was very happy with that decision. Uh, Great means that they've got one less one, so that's <laughs> happy with me. Um, talking about that Cook injury, um, obviously Alexander Madison came in and had a really good game as well. So it just shows you that uh, they've got two good running backs in that backfield. It looks like he's only going to be out for a couple of weeks. Cook. Yeah, I mean, you've seen him still fully kitted at the sideline during the game. It looked like he wanted to come back in. Obviously, the doctors have told him um, and his team have told him to go against it. But just when it happened, the, the Vikings were winning comfortably at the time. And I, they, they brought up a stat that Dalvin Cook has played in 47% of the team's offensive snaps before his injury. And as soon as that happened, you just seen the Seahawks D. It just it ignited a fire under them, and that, and I think I genuinely think that injury was the the big turning point in the game. 
think uh, United of Fire, not just in the Seahawks D and just the Seahawks in general, they hadn't scored a point the whole first half. Yeah. I think they've gone, right, this is a chance. We if we can get going, they might not get, get it going again on offense. Um yeah. and but to be fair, like Alexander Madsen has come in and I think they're very, very similar running backs. Um they're both quite big guys, um kind of in stature and stuff, so Madsen has come in and done quite a, a good job, but it's a similar role to obviously the the Mike Davis coming in for CMC. As much as they can do well, they are not who they're replacing. You know, he's not Dalvin Cook. The threat of Dalvin Cook is much, much greater than than uh, than someone like Alexander Madsen. Um obviously sorry, when you go Adam. Uh, sorry, I was if you want to finish on there, I was about to move to the Seahawks, but finish with I was them. just gonna say, um obviously we mentioned the what on earth they were doing in that fourth down. They will also massively rue that missed um, point at uh, PAT after the the touchdown of the third quarter. Um, if they score that PAT, then they at least have a chance of taking it over, to, taking it to overtime, even without the the um, converting the fourth down. Uh, after I watched the the game winning drive from from Russ, as much as it's Russell Wilson just being phenomenal and Tyler, uh, sorry, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I watched it back and this is the first time I've ever I felt like a coach kind of studying film because I was looking all over that drive and just thinking their secondary the Vikings secondary were just non-existent you've seen that big play down the left um, for Metcalf to catch it which basically put them into the, uh, the Vikings territory just, I mean, Mike Hughes they, just, they lack cornerbacks, they've got a first round pick at uh, UCF called Mike Hughes who was uh, basically shadowing Metcalf the full game, and Metcalf just basically walked all over him. It was just, we've mentioned it before as well, with the Vikings, just the, their D isn't the same as what it used to be, but their secondary for that drive, knowing they had to stop a touchdown or a two-point conversion, should have been up for that, and I just feel that the Vikings secondary were awful in that last uh, game-winning drive. Yep, I, I think agree probably part of that was to do with the fact that Harrison Smith had literally no part to play uh, in the game. He's like you say, non-existent. He's the guy that you would kind of expect for the Vikings to maybe break things up, and him and probably Eric Kendricks as well. Um, probably the two big guys, but neither of them really seem to show up at all. Yeah, on the Seattle side of the ball, I think this is another example of you were you were mentioning earlier the Chiefs um, were able to win even though they didn't play very well. Not this week, obviously, but in previous weeks they'd won without playing well, and this yeah. is exactly that sort of game for Seattle. Look, especially that first half, I was like, well, okay, that's the game then. That's the game Seattle, done, Seattle aren't playing well at yeah. all here. Um, but even not playing well, they came back and, uh, and won that game. And I think uh, Mikey's shout of uh, Seattle being the NFC representatives in the Super Bowl uh, has got a very high chance of being true, especially based on that kind of grit determination they've got for that comeback that they had today. Just that, that, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a week talking about Russell Wilson without me slipping in. He, he threw another interception this week. That's now three in five games. He only threw five all last season. Still the greatest quarterback ever. I was going to say the number of touchdowns <laughs> he's thrown. Is he's not thrown something like four or five more touchdowns than the next quarterback in the league. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Do we have anything else to add on this game before we move to Monday Night Football? Just one more cool thing. I've seen a video on Instagram of uh, Russell Wilson on the sideline. I think when the D was still on the field for that fourth and inches play and Russ was shouting to his teammates, he was like, we're going to win this game. We're going to win this game before they'd even converted or failed to convert the fourth and inches. And that's the kind of person you want on your team. So you know 
see if they'd converted that and Vikings win the game. You probably don't think about it, but see when they failed that conversion, that whole offense is thinking, listen to what Russ just said. He's predicted it. Let's do this. Let's get this win. I think that he's just, he is, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the league at this current time. Um, not overall. I know Mahomes, they've been a bit sluggish through games, but been winning them. But Russ has been lights out this season. And I really, really want him to win MVP. Yep. I can't disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> Russell's been very, very good. Moving on to Monday Night Football, where the Los Angeles Chargers travelled to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and after overtime, the Saints won 30 points to 27. Um, my notes here just say that uh, Herbert was great. Um, in his game so far, I think he's outplayed Mahomes, he's outplayed Brady, and now he's outplayed Breeze. Um, but still, they managed to lose this game, obviously, with a, with that overtime field goal from Will Lutz. Painfully close for the Chargers um, to record what would have been a very, very impressive victory. Um, especially when you have a 20 to 3 lead in the second quarter. Like, you don't think about throwing that away. In fact, most teams don't ever think about throwing <clears throat> any sort of lead away, but when you're that, that far ahead, um, and playing well, it wasn't like they were that far ahead and, and kind of getting their own merit. They'd, they'd done well. Um, you just I, I feel for Justin Herbert because I know Mikey kind of disagrees with me in this one. I think he's, his record doesn't show how well he's played this season. I think for I, for a guy that's that's potentially, in my eyes, put himself right in the running for Rookie of the Year so far, I think his record is probably his only sticking point is that folk will look at that. So I can play that, this, this music here for a head-to-head battle between the two of you over Herbert, will I? Go for it. There you go, you can talk over that. We can have a wee fight, something like a Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. No, all, all I was going to say that uh, that's not what I, I said to Kai yesterday. Uh, Justin Herbert has been phenomenal, but if I'm Joe Burrow, if we stop the season right now, uh, I honestly think Joe Burrow gets rookie of the year because. I know he's not got the best record, but if if you're not winning games, Justin Herbert's own four as a quarterback, and that's nothing against him as a person. I know the Chargers D were missing Gordon, uh, Chris Harris. Um, they, they were missing a lot of big defensive pieces, and that's probably what lost them that game. But at the end of the season, I'm wanting the player with the, the better overall record, maybe not with the most padded stats. And in my opinion, Joe Burrow is still the favourite for rookie of the year, for sure. Offensive rookie of the year, at least. I, I was just mm-hmm. looking at the, the the standings there when you said that uh, uh, Herbert was zero four. The way he's been playing, I had to go and check that. I was like, is he? Is he really? And yeah, this, this yeah. Is what I, mean. yeah. I know that they lost an overtime game to the Saints and an overtime game to the Chiefs, and maybe those games that Herbert's playing in are against lesser teams, if you want to say that, uh, than what the the Bengals have been against. Oh no, sorry, the other way about. Teams, yeah, sorry, but. I, I, I don't know, I just I still think that because Joe Burrow's offensive line has been so poor and he's still keeping his team in the game, these are the kind of things that they look at for, for Offensive Rookie of the Year and I still think it's Joe Burrow's uh, to lose and that's why I want to make a bet with Kai right here on the podcast. I knew you were going to do this. 100% knew you were going to do this. I told you I was going to do this. So can I, I just do, didn't tell you what the I bet was. Do my sound drop for Mikey's outlandish stance of the week? That way. <laughs> I 
That's your sound drop. I've decided for that now. Oh, that's what I have to do on every single uh, week. Yeah, my, yeah. my win ratio of the Outlanders claims aren't going to be so well. So, what was the first podcast with Jalen Hurts would come in? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, and he did. So, he did. So, and that came up. Then, okay, so this week, I don't think it's that outlandish. I think, I think Joe Burrow's going to win offensive, uh, offensive rookie of the year. Okay, Mikey's outlandish, <laughs> Mikey's outlandish pick of the week. There we go, that's my wee theme tune for it. And you. if Ty wants to place a wager on Justin Herbert being rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, then I'm willing to put some money on the table. What's the wager? Hit me with it. You, you, name, the, you name it. It's your bet. I'll bet you 20 pounds. 20 quid, right, right here. Deal. Okay. You can, you can we can't shake on it due to COVID and the fact that we're not with each other, but yeah, that's virtually that'll... shake on it that you think Joe Burrow will win it, I think Justin Herbert will win it. Right, yeah. that's fine. Well, uh, what's this? What sound drop will I have for an agreed bet? Well, we'll need to think of one for that, right. yeah. But um, just, there you go. Just <laughs> no obviously, when, when we mentioned Justin Herbert as well, um, and again, this is kind of backing up my case of potentially him being better than Joe Burrow this season. Rec- like records out the window. Let's just ignore the records because Joe Burrows isn't exactly much better. Um, Justin Herbert's only the fifth rookie quarterback with an 85 or higher passer rating in his first four NFL starts. Do you think either of you could name the other four? Say that again, sorry. So Justin Herbert is only the fifth rookie quarterback to have an 85 plus passer rating in all of his first four starts. Rookies. Four mm-hmm. other quarterbacks. Cam Do you Newton? think you can name the other four? Cam Newton. Nope. How, how, are they? Are they still currently playing, or are some of them historical? Uh, one of them's not. The other three are. One of them. One of the three that is isn't playing week in week out. He's still on a roster. So I would say Kyler Murray then. Nope. Oh. Andy Dalton. I'm gonna give you three. So who did you say, Adam? Andy, Andy Dalton. Nope. I'm gonna give you one shout each more. Because this could go on forever. Matthew Stafford. Nope. Mikey. Dak. Nope. Wow. Um, this is tough. Dan Dan Marino. Yeah. Carson Wentz. Uh, Robert Griffin the third. Archie three. Yeah. Big Ben. Nope. The fourth one is Gardner Minshew. Oh no, not a chance. No, my hatred for <laughs> Minshew is not. So he's in a, he's in strange company with that. Um, there should be no more... stat at all which contains Dan Marino <laughs> and Gardner Minshew in the same breath. Uh, yeah, but there you go. Random. Uh, there's a random bit for you to talk about for the week. More breaking news as we probably come to the end of the show again is that the Falcons are shutting down the facility after multiple positive tests. Oh, that's Probably good. think that's good news so that they don't need to play football anymore. Yeah. They can't well, lose. We'll come to COVID news very soon. We'll quickly touch on uh, our Tuesday night football match, which had been moved because of COVID. Um, Tennessee Titans at home to the Buffalo Bills. Tennessee won 42-16. To be honest, I thought Tennessee would win it had they not been shut down for so long, which is why as we get to the picks at the end, I had picked the Bills for this game, but uh, Tennessee showed that they didn't even have to practice together to still be good, and uh, 
I think Tannehill's underestimated and Buffalo had too many mistakes today. Yeah. The Bills kind of showed their first sign of weakness on the season. Um, like you say, I think I'm not taking anything away from the Titans. They won themselves the game. Um, but the Bills kind of seemed to... They didn't start very well, considering um, Josh Allen walked out and threw an interception. Um, that was impressive to do that with your first throw. I know. One for one. Um, the, what I would say is to then give the Titans some credit. Ryan Tannehill is absolutely excellent at just being a really efficient quarterback. Like I said earlier, he doesn't do anything too glamorous. He doesn't kind of try and overcomplicate it. He's just he's a very good quarterback at just doing his job very well. Um, Seventy-five percent completion the other night. Um, no interceptions, and he had three touchdowns. Um, I think he. What was that? Sorry. Do you know why people underestimate Tannehill? Is obviously he was a starter in Miami for a while and not mm-hmm. particularly great, and then obviously moved over and ended up taking over from Mario to here. But I think the reason he wasn't particularly great in Miami is the same reason that a team in New York is currently struggling, and it's the head coach that was there. Because obviously Gase was at Miami for quite a while, and Tannehill's a QB at that point, and maybe it it wasn't Tannehill. Maybe Tannehill was good, and it was just Adam Gase that was the problem. Yeah, potentially. I think think that is is part of the reason. Um, Because the the Titans have the personnel to be... Like, they showed it last season, obviously. They have the personnel to be a very good team. Uh, and I think they will have another really good season this year. Um, but um, I would give I would give the Titans a lot of credit for that one. I thought they were good. This is one thing that I'm just going to pick someone that we've spoke about in the podcast. That all it takes is for one person to go into the perfect system and coaching staff for them to show how good they really are. Like Ryan Tannehill going to the Titans. Let's. I'm just going to pick a random team. I'm just going to say the Packers, but. What's to say that like Josh Rosen didn't go to the go to the Packers as a backup QB? Aaron Rodgers retires, and then Josh Rosen's absolutely a perfect fit for them. It's so hard to find because teams play so many different types of systems. It's so hard yeah. to find that one player that's going to benefit the team. And Tannehill's just fell into the right spot at the right time. Um, obviously with Mariota struggling, and um, yeah, it's just it, it could go either way. You could be a first or second round, a first or second pick in the draft like Jameis Winston and Mariota, and go to the wrong system. Or you could be a late round pick like Russell Wilson and end up um, taking over the quarterback starting job against someone who I can't remember the name, but he just signed a, a three year extension and then they named uh, Russell Wilson the starting uh, Seahawks quarterback straight after it. So it, it is, it's it's almost luck of the draw, but um, not to take away from any of these players, but um, it's it's so hard to tell what system you're going to be the best fit for in the NFL. I think that is a problem with the way obviously the draft works because the worst team gets the first picks and normally the worst teams are bad not only bad players but they have bad bad systems yeah. and then normally yeah. they try and get a Q, QB and they go to a bad system and then they look bad whereas those teams that get one later are normally better because they run slightly better and you know they're able to yeah. improve their QBs and they've obviously got a better starting quarterback for them to sit under and learn the, the playbook as we mentioned so it kind of can be a double-edged sword but um as we've seen with Tannehill, it's it's great to see him go into a system and just be, as Kai said, just so perfectly efficient in the play. He's not an exciting quarterback to watch, but I do enjoy watching him uh, in this in the, the same sense because of how he just operates that full offense. Yep. Anything? Think, um, oh, on you go, Kai. I was just going to say, like, on when you obviously are talking about the way the draft works and and the worst teams getting the best picks and stuff, it's just 
it's not really got much to do with the draft. It's just a thought I had there, and I'm curious to find out what your opinions are. Do you think so? You're coming out of college, um, declare yourself for the draft. You're touted as being the first first pick in the draft. Do you think you would rather be the first pick in the draft and go to a team who aren't going to win, or do you think you would rather be a late round pick or a later pick in the whole draft and go to a team who you know will win, and you maybe have a less prominent role? You even look at like from from an outside perspective, you look at like um, defensive linemen, offensive linemen people like that who maybe aren't in the limelight all the time do you think you would rather be someone like them who goes to a winning team and has a good a good role than be a first round pick even the first pick in the draft for example go to a team who isn't winning and then have a mm, mediocre depends on your mentality yeah me being the way I'm wired I want to be the number one pick and like turn turn a whole franchise round that has never made a Super Bowl before and get into a Super Bowl. I know obviously that it doesn't work like that eighty percent of the time, but you'd you'd I would rather everybody's gonna be different as two sides of this coin is but I would rather be that player that looks like they're turning around the fortunes of a franchise almost single handedly. I think I think if you are going to be a player in the NFL you have to have that confidence that you're going to be that player that will turn around yeah. that franchise. If you don't, I don't think you're gonna make it in the league. So I think I think they want to be drafted as early as possible. Also, financially, they get more money the earlier they're drafted yeah. as well, and they're not guaranteed <laughs> a second contract, so they want as much money in that rookie deal as they can. So. Yeah, just think an... from a, a purely personal perspective, asking that question, I think we kind of discussed it the other night, Mickey, about what kind of player you would rather have in your team. Um, and you obviously mentioned the difference between quarterbacks who don't have a very good season or don't have a very good career and never come out with. Um, good stats, but they have a Super Bowl ring to their name. Um, I think I would probably rather be that person who comes out of it with a greater achievements. But I think if you're looking from the outside and you're looking for somebody to sign, I think you would rather have someone who has good stats. Just one thing you said there, Adam, about quarter, uh, sorry, just first round picks not getting guaranteed second year, uh, second contracts and stuff. With um, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, he has came out and said that he is putting all his actual team contract money aside and he's basically just living off his endorsements just now, which will probably be still a lot of money, yep. but <laughs> it's, it's cool to see a, a young rookie um, being as, as clever as that with his money uh, and, and doing things like that. I think that's one thing that should probably be taught to NFL players, potentially, yeah. when they get brought into the league. Um, but yeah, one final thought on the Bills-Titans game. I know we said um, we're wishing the best of luck to... Dak Prescott, I'm also wishing the best of luck to Josh Norman as well because he got <laughs> stiff armed in the next Oh week. man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thoughts and prayers are with Josh Norman and his I was fully this, expecting this tough moment. I was fully expecting the I can't remember the name of the song. People always put it on videos where people like fall and they're like tumbling for ages through space. <laughs> I was fully expecting one of them to come out of uh, Josh Norman flying yeah. through space. Because uh, I think that was the nastiest stiff arm I've ever seen. You see, you're used to players running into a brick wall, but I'm sure Josh Norman's not used to a brick wall running into him and stiff arm him <laughs> in the way. So it was a very, very impressive from him. It's unfair. He's like the size of him when he's able to do that. Like, it, it didn't even for him. It didn't even look like it was tough to do. It, it was like pushing a fly, flicked him off, like swatted him away. Actually, actually showed it. Uh, showed the video of that to Claire, and Claire said, "Is he allowed to do that?" 
I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone else probably ever has, but yes, technically. Has tried it. Uh, he's allowed to. Uh, that was the last game of this week because uh, the uh, Patriots and Broncos game was moved to next week because of that horrible COVID thing. Um, it's moved. Uh, COVID again has has moved the games this coming week because Thursday night football was meant to have the Bills in it and they played on Tuesday, so they're now going to be playing on Monday. Um, yep. uh, uh, home to the Chiefs, and there was a small press release that came out for the NFL that said that here are here are a few fixture changes due to COVID, and there was about eight on the sheet of paper of everything getting moved. A couple, about. as if it was going to be like one or two. Yeah. They've changed half the schedule. Um, so um, the only positive that comes from that, not that there's any positive to COVID is that, um, I think it's Monday night's game, one of the games on Monday night is now at 10 o'clock. Yeah. It's now at 10 o'clock UK time, which means we can actually watch it at a normal time. Woohoo. Um, but yeah, so so that's all the games from this week. I don't have a little game to play this week because we had a few games throughout. All we have to do now is uh, we've reached our two-minute warning and we now have... Uh, our um our picks from last week to talk about. Um looking on the screen I can see Mikey's face is stressing out, but he's now got a thumbs up, so he appears to be alright. Uh I thought I'd maybe have snuck up on him the fact that we're doing the picks, but no. No, I my, my screen froze there. I, I couldn't hear you or see anything. Oh, I, right. really froze. I panicked so, thinking yeah. I'd lost it. We're all good. Yep, I've got my predictions here. Right, all good stuff. So if again, if we just go through the games, Mikey, then you tell us the scores for this week and nice. then the total scores and we'll see how badly I've done again because I'm not very good at this <laughs> game. So the first game was Thursday Night Football, Tampa Bay at Chicago. Yep, uh, Kai was the only one that had the Bears. I'm getting good at Thursday Night Football. Yeah. Pity uh, you're not good at anything else. <laughs> uh, game two was the Rams at Washington. Clean sweep for the Rams for all of us. Good, good. We then had Philadelphia at Pittsburgh. Kai stupidly took the Eagles. Um, myself and yourself, Adam, had the Steelers. That's only I don't because... know if you see a recurring theme here, but no matter what I do, Mikey picks a flaw in it. Yeah, well, to be fair, the only reason I think you really picked the Eagles there, Kai, is because we, we slagged, slagged you off you, for not picking You made fun of me for not picking my team, so <laughs> yeah. I picked my team and you slagged me for not picking the opposition. <laughs> we then no, had... I'm slagging you for picking a bad team. <laughs> <laughs> we then had the Cardinals at the Jets. Clean sweep for all of us for the Cardinals, yeah. I'm assuming none of us got the uh, Raiders beating the Chiefs? Nope, clean sweep for the Chiefs, we said, so we were yeah. all wrong on that one. Um, Houston beat Jacksonville. Yep, yeah, we were all a clean sweep for the Texans. All a clean sweep, good. Uh, I'm assuming we all said the Ravens would beat the Bengals. We did. This is where, right, so the Carolina-Atlanta game. Last week we talked about teams when they were going to have their first win and I said, oh, it'll be week seven that Atlanta get their first win. And then for this game, I picked Atlanta to win. So um, I changed my mind, obviously, and I must have made it. Wrong. Yeah, so myself and Kai picked the Panthers, but in fairness, I was swaying back and forth on the Falcons and the Panthers, and the only reason I picked the Panthers is because I said to myself a couple of weeks ago, I'm never backing the Falcons ever again. <laughs> I don't blame you. I'm assuming talking about uh, not backing the right team here, we all backed the 49ers against Miami? We all backed the 49ers, yep. Yeah, so, we were uh, all, yep. all wrong. Uh, the Cowboys beat the Giants. Clean sweep, all of us picked the Cowboys. 
The Cleveland Browns beat the Indianapolis Colts. Both of you had the Colts, whereas I had the Cleveland Browns to win that game. I think they're rolling just now. And uh, I think this game against the Steelers next week could be very, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, just looking at that division, and you've got the Ravens at 4-1, the Browns at 4-1, the Steelers at 4-0. Yeah, very, very interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens this weekend. Seattle were at home to Minnesota, and Seattle won that game. Clean sweep for the Seahawks for all of us. Just. Uh, the Saints beat the Chargers. Clean sweep with the Saints yeah. as well. And the Titans beat the Bills. We had the wrong clean sweep. We all said the Bills. <laughs> I just think, I think um, you are probably the same as well. We just thought maybe with the whole COVID situation, might have been a bit rusty and things like that, but they were the, far from it. They were outstanding. Oh, they were uh, amazing. So what, how did that uh, leave the scores for this week, Mikey? So for the weekly standings, 14 games in total. Uh, myself, Michael McCallum, got 10 out of 14. Kai got 9 out of 14. And Adam, one behind on 8 out of 14. So not a bad showing from everyone. Um, that means the overall standings, Kai's still in first place with 30 out of 45. I'm two behind with 28 out of 45. And Adam with twenty three out of forty five. Oh, well, that's me. Lost I think you've just went. You've just went over to five over uh, five hundred. I think. Oh, hey, there we yeah. go. That's... So last week I was listening to the podcast last night, and Kai told me to buck up my ideas this week. So I did, and I beat him. So, so and now I'm coming. Now I'm coming for the overall first spot. <laughs> um, I'm. I really wish that had been a tie because I think I picked the best um, of the three tiebreaker tiebreakers. Yeah. Yes, for anyone yeah. who doesn't know, uh, we. Randomly, we'll pick a position each week, and we have a tie-break player. So, if two people have the same uh, same number of wins for the predictions, it goes to the number of fantasy points scored by that specific player and uh, full PPR. Yeah, outside the top ten at that specific position. So this week it was tight ends. Um, I'll spin the wheel and we'll find out what it's going to be for next week. But again, uh, we will only need to use that should we have a tie. If Mikey keeps doing so well in these predictions, we'll never need to use it. Uh, look at Kai's face there. <laughs> one, one week out of the three so far. <laughs> yeah. But can I just Making say that so well. I am loving the fact that since we've started this podcast, I play in three different fantasy leagues. I am 9-0 and oh in all fantasy matchups since we started this podcast. So long may that continue. I'm I have like, right a, like a snoring sound, Adam, to put into this because I'm bored of hearing that for Mikey. <laughs> I never go. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. That's what happens when you're a back-to-back fantasy champion. You've got a target on your back. Simple as that. Don't worry. I'm going to try. I'd also and... just like to congratulate Mikey for winning his matchup this week against a team who weren't rubbish. He actually scored some good yes. points in fantasy. You're actually being nice to me in this, fantasy this, this week. I was the third highest point scoring team. I only had one point less than Mikey, but I was against Sean, who had about forty points more than me. <laughs> he had a hundred eighty <laughs> point game. <laughs> So uh, the one week I actually came back to do something decent and uh, had to play against Sean. So well done, Sean. I think that's us. We don't have anything else to talk uh, about. Certainly covered everything. Uh, We didn't have to talk about the Packers, so that saved us a few minutes. So um, (laughs) save my ears. Always next week. Exactly. Um, I'd like to thank both Kai and Mikey for joining me again this week, and uh, we'll speak to you both next week with all these games. Pleasure as always. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you.